Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Amen, amen. Thank you all for uh, joining us in to get together uh, online and in person on today. Uh, It's a blessing to be back with you here at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of, y'all type that in that goes next. We are people of what? People of? More. uh, We are people of? More. uh, They can't hear you next door. We are people of? More. That means that we learn more, love more, do more, teach more. We are people that are striving to progressively do more for and towards the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, on today, we continue and, and, and actually we wrap up our sermon series of Little Fires Everywhere, uh, where we have done a study in the book of Jonah. Uh, today, um, I believe that Uh, The appropriate title would be, I can see clearly now. Not a statement of fact, but asking a question, I I can see clearly now? Because as we have looked at this prophet of God, he he, he, he looks a bit different than what God's prophets usually look like in the Word of God. Usually, when you open a book that has the name of a prophet, usually that prophet has a word from God to God's people. But as we look at the words of Jonah in the Bible, in the word of God, Jonah does not have words that would uh, be helpful to the Christian today. Not all of his words are helpful. He, he, he speaks a powerful prayer that, that shows a semblance of some change of heart. But Jonah's actions and Jonah's words don't show that he is fully committed to God. And so Jonah begins, even in chapter 1, as you look at it, and God tells Jonah to go and cry out against the, the great city of Nineveh. Jonah, he starts a little fire by going in the opposite direction. And when he gets on the boat with those seamen that are there who are just trying to go about the day of doing their job, he starts uh, a storm that causes the boat to rock left and right and right to left. And he's sitting there down in the midst of the boat while they're up there wondering what their gods are doing. He starts little fires everywhere. And, and, and in his disobedience, the, the mariners, they find uh, that God is the, the ultimate God, the God of gods, the almighty God. Uh, in order to cease the storm, Jonah is thrown overboard. The storm becomes calm and goes away, and and Jonah deserves deserves punishment. Jonah, in his sin and his opposition to being what God would have him to be, he deserves to be just thrown into the raging waters, but God provides. 
God appoints a great fish to swallow Jonah, to house him as he is in his sin, to protect him from the chaotic waters that would have surely taken his life. And it is there in the belly of the great fish that Jonah begins to contemplate what his life looks like without God. And, and, and we see the character of God in this moment, not so much so that Jonah is a righteous figure in this book, but we see that this, this man named Jonah who is called to cry out against the evil in the city of Nineveh, God says, I I still see you in your sin. I still recognize that you can be of use to me, and I will hear your cry as you have recognized that your disobedience has caused you to be right at the gates of Sheol, right at the point in which you feel like the gates of hell are about to lock up behind you and you will see life no more. And in his change of heart, Jonah is spit out into dry ground. And Jonah goes into the, the city of Nineveh, that great city of Nineveh. He goes among those people who are evil, those people who do not deserve God, and he preaches a message. In the Hebrew, that message includes five words. If you look at it in, in the English, it's includes of eight words. He preaches a message of destruction, but he does not share with the people how they are to see God. But God still makes a way for them to understand that they need to change their heart in spite of the prophet that doesn't preach a message that is, that is for them to change. And these people, upon hearing this message of Jonah, they change. Even the, even the cattle are said to have repented. He preaches this great message and Jonah, as we'll see at the beginning of this passage, Jonah is upset that everybody has obeyed. I want to start off this morning by talking to you or talking with you about backseat and passenger drivers. We all in here have uh, lived with and, and had, to, had to drive with backseat and passenger drivers. One thing I believe is that everybody who has a driver's license has had to deal with a backseat or a passenger driver. You, you know when you're, you're in your car and you're on the highway and you're trying to make good time to your destination and that person is just in your ear. When you make a left, they say you should have made a right. When you speed up, they say you should have slowed down. When you slow down, they said you should have speed up. And you got this person in your ear, and they're talking and talking, and, and, and sometimes you have to just look at them. Just look at this man in this, this image right here. This man here, it looks as though he's dealing with a backseat or a passenger driver. And sometimes you just have to tell them, look, at this very moment, I am the driver. I am in control of the wheel. And look, dealer, I mean, passenger Sometimes you have to tell your, your, your backseat and passenger drivers, look, I have the wheel. I'm the one that is controlling this vessel that we are traveling in. You just got to let them know, look, you're over there. There's only one steering wheel in the car. There are times when that is the solution, and then there are others in which they just don't understand or they don't accept the fact that you have the wheel. And the question that I want to pose to you this morning is, is this here. How often do we tell God how to drive? How often do we tell God how to drive? Think about this for a moment. How often do we tell God 
how it is that he should drive. God, you're going too fast. God, you're going too slow. God, you should have made a left whenever you made a right. God, you should have made a right when you made a left. God, you should have started a long time ago this portion of my life. God, you should have made this thing happen. God, I should have been successful by now. God, you should not bless those people. God, you should bless this type of people. How many times have we told God how to drive? I can just imagine God at the wheel saying, these folks don't know what they're talking about, but yet they're telling me how I should drive. Let's look at the Bible this morning. Turn your Bibles with me to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. We'll be looking at the, the text in its entirety. We'll be examining the English Standard Version on today. And the Bible reads... But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Can we say exceedingly? Exceedingly. I know y'all can't type that in, so I won't ask you to spell that. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Relenting. Can we say relenting? Relenting. Can we give an amen for God being a relenting God? Amen. Amen. Relenting from disaster. Verse number three says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. We know that we are dramatic at times. Amen. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed. Can we say God appointed? God appoints. There are a lot of things that God appoints in your life to teach you lessons. The question that we have to ask is, are we paying attention? Some of us are in the belly of a fish right now. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed, there we see God appointing something again. God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed, can we say God appointed? God appointed. A scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Verse 9 says, But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. 
As you can see, you can turn the pages in the Bible all you want to. That's where Jonah ends. There is no response from Jonah. There is no uh, a vision or message of him changing his heart. The, the text simply ends with God's statement. Let's look at this for a moment. Let's look at this for a moment. As we look at verses 1 and 2, we see what's going on in the text of, of Jonah chapter 4. Verses 1 and 2, the Bible reads, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Jonah was upset that the people had repented of what they were doing, of how they were living. He was upset that the king, from the king to the citizens, to even to the animals, had repented of their sins. Jonah knew that God was a conscious God, conscious of the distress of people. And God seeks to alleviate it. Read verse number two. What does verse number two say? And he prayed to the Lord. The Bible says, and he prayed to the Lord. And he said, and he said O Lord, O Lord, is not this, is not this, what I said when I was yet in my country. Uh-huh. We get, we get a, a, a vision into what happened. We don't see this in chapter one, but here we see that Jonah says, don't you remember back whenever you first told me to go to Nineveh and cry out against them? I told you this message that I'm about to say here. I told you, God, the one who is driving, I told you this right here. What does he say? This is what I made. This is why I made haste to flee the Tarsus. He's saying right here, this is why I went the opposite direction, God. For I knew that. I knew that. You are a gracious God. I knew that you were a gracious God. I knew merciful. that you were a God who showed kindness. I knew that you were a God who recognized distress and sought to alleviate it. So I fled. Keep reading. And merciful, slow to anger. I knew that you were a merciful God. I knew that you were a God that recognized evil. And, and, and I knew that you were a God that, that showed pity on those who didn't know better. Keep reading. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. I knew that you are a God. This is an interesting statement. In the Hebrew, it says that, God, I knew that you were a long nose having God. Mm. I knew that your nose was long. You see, in the Bible times when they would present sacrifices to God and they would send up that smoke and they would see if God was pleased with their, their sacrifice, uh, God's nose would be either pleased or troubled based on what they had presented to God. And if God was pleased, then his nose was uh, a, a little bit short. But uh, if, if, or if God was displeased, his nose was short. He would get angry. But God is a God who has a long nose. He takes a long time to say, I've had enough of what they are presenting to me. Amen. Some of us are presenting to God something that is very smelly, something that is stinking, something that is not pleasing to God at all, something that is not our best work. And it's reaching the nose of God. And I want you to know that there are actions. There are actions that can be displeasing to God. But our God that we serve, Yahweh God, is a God that has a long nose. And he will sometimes, he will have the tendency to delay punishment to say I won't punish them today so that they can get it right in the next moment keep reading and abounding in steadfast love and abounded in steadfast love steadfast loyalty this is the hesed that we speak of Jonah knew that God has steadfast loyalty so he fled 
Keep reading. And relenting from disaster. Jonah knew that God had the capability to change his mind about disaster, and so he fled. Look at all these things of how Jonah describes God. He says, I knew that you were kind, so I fled. I knew that you showed mercy, so I fled. I knew that you could change your mind about disaster, so I fled. I knew that you saw that you see evil, and you will be uh, long-standing and have a long nose in terms of that evil and the punishment that it deserves, so I fled. He knew God was all of these things for his people, but he was not comfortable with it being applied to Nineveh type of people. He wasn't comfortable that God was being the God to him and to them at the same time. And so I I have to ask this morning as we look at ourselves as Christians today, who do we get upset with God being a God to? Who do we get upset with God being a God to? Who who does God not apply to? Does God not apply to homosexuals? Does God not apply to racists? Does God not apply to illegal aliens? Does God not apply to rapists? Does God not apply to sexists? Does God not apply to your deadbeat daddies, your deadbeat mamas? Does God not apply to morally corrupt politicians? Should God not be a God to all of those kind of people? Are they not good enough to have the same God that you have? That's questions that we got to ask ourselves, even in the midst of what we're dealing right, with right now. Amen. Those police officers that were complicit in the death of that man, is God not, is it okay for God to be God to them too? Is it okay for God to forgive them, to show them compassion, to delay his punishment? Ask yourself those questions. Be honest with yourself about where you stand with this. Because when we really examine this thing, when we really examine this thing, if we say that God cannot be God to these other people, we're no different than Jonah. We're no different than Jonah. And as we look at this book and we shake our head at the actions of Jonah, we ought to look in the mirror and shake our heads at ourselves. Jonah 1.9, he proclaims on the ship with the mariners, He said to them, I am a Hebrew. When they asked, who are you? Who do you serve? He says, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Go to that slide there, Ken, in Jonah chapter 1, verse number 9. Jonah chapter uh, 1, verse number 9, and he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. Some of us, we stand in the presence of the world, and we proclaim that I am a Christian. We proclaim that I worship God. We proclaim that I fear God. I am of God, but God can't be God to you, you, and you because you fit into a category that I'm not comfortable with. Go to uh, uh, verse, or to the next slide here. Go to the previous slide, I mean. Jonah's judgment. Let's take a look at Jonah's judgment. As we look at this text, as we look at this text, Jonah's judgment, Jonah's judgment, we look at how Jonah viewed the world, how Jonah viewed how God should behave among his people. Verse number three of Jonah chapter four, the Bible reads what? Therefore now. Therefore now. O Lord. O Lord. Please take my life from me. Ah, he says here, look. 
because I don't agree with how you're being a God to these people who don't deserve it. Now, I want you to understand that the Ninevites are people who are evil. The Ninevites are people who look at their enemies. They'll flay them alive. They'll tie them up by their hands and their feet, and they'll start to cut their body parts, and they'll start to, to maim their bodies and, and take off body parts. These are not people who were good people. Some would say he's justified in how he feels. But verse number three, the Bible says, therefore, now, Lord, I want you to take my life. Keep reading from me. Uh huh. For it is better for me to die. He says it's better for me to die than to live than to live. God, take my life. God, I would rather not exist than have you be a God to wicked people. He tells God, if you're not going to be the God I want you to be, then take my life. I'm of no value to you. And sometimes we tell God that, God, you're driving the wrong way. God, you're doing things the wrong way. If you're not going to be the God that I want you to be on today, then you have no need for you. I I won't come to church. I won't assemble with the church. Let me fix that. I won't assemble with the church. I won't come to Bible study. God, if you're not going to be the type of God that I want you to be, I will tell the world that you don't exist. I will tell the world that you are a religion that oppresses people if you don't work the way I want you to work. Jonah, you can tell, he may have changed his mind in the belly of the fish, but his heart didn't really change. As we look at Jonah chapter 3, verse number 4. And the Lord said. Look at his message. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 4. The Bible says. And the Lord said. Uh Uh-huh. Jonah 3, verse 4. Oh, verse chapter 3, verse 4. And Jonah. Jonah. Began to enter into the city. He began to go into the city. A day's journey. He went into a day's journey. And Come he on. cried. He cried. He said. This is after he's out of the belly of the fish. What did he say? Yet 40 days. Yet 40 days. And Nineveh. And Nineveh. Shall be overthrown. He speaks this message to the city of Nineveh. And he only says destruction is coming your way. He doesn't say here's how you devoid it. Here's how you create this relationship with God. He just simply recites the message that you're going to be destroyed. You look at the homosexual and you say, you're going to hell. You look at the corrupt politician and you say, your tweets are going to send you to hell. You look at the people uh, who, who don't take care of their children, deadbeat mothers, deadbeat fathers, and we say, you're not good enough. You look at people who are racist and who don't like you based on the color of your skin, and we say, you're going to be destroyed. But where is our message of salvation to the world? God asked the question, God asked the question, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Go back to Jonah 4, verse number 4. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? To be angry that I show kindness, to be angry that I want and I seek to alleviate the distress that is caused by a recognition of sin. He's angry because they recognize that they were in sin. Is it right, God asked, that I delay destruction for a chance for repentance? Is it, is it right for you to be angry that I am consistent in my loyalty and my love? Is it right for you to be angry that I am willing to change my mind upon a repentance? Is it right that you are so upset 
about my divine attributes. Jonah, is it right that you are upset that I am God? Jonah chapter 4, verse number 5, what does the Bible say? So Jonah went out of the city. So Jonah went out of the city. And sat to the east of the city. And he sat to the east of the city. And made a booth for himself And he made a booth for himself. Uh There, uh uh-huh. He sat under it in the shade. Now I want to paint this picture for you. Jonah here, he, he's here. He leaves out the east of the city. Now I want you to understand when you see in biblical text where it's talking about something coming from the east, it's usually something that is not good because to the east of where God's people were was desert. And so when winds blew in from there, they were hot, scorching winds. And when somebody is said to be going east, it usually involves something bad, right? Jonah, he leaves out the east of the city. He makes a booth for himself there. He sits down under it. He's sitting in shade. And it says that he sits there to see what would become of the city. Mm -hmm. He gives his proclamation to God. He says, God, you're driving the wrong way. You're not driving fast enough. You're not driving slow enough. You made the wrong turn. You changed lanes too quickly, God. And then when he gives his little speech to God, he goes and he sits down and says, okay, let me see what God is going to do to Nineveh now. Let me see how bad Nineveh is going to get it from God now because I, I had to remind God of who he needs to be. Let me see what God is going to do to the city of Nineveh. And God, with his all-knowing ability, he plans to teach Jonah a lesson. God's lesson is here. Go to that next slide, God's lesson. Verse number six, the Bible reads this. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. The Bible says, now the Lord God appointed a plant, a plant uh-huh, and made it come up over Jonah. And made it come up over Jonah. That it may be a shade That it his might head, be shade over his head. To save him from his discomfort. Look at this right here. God appoints a plant. God appoints something that is usually in need of something else taking care of it. God appoints a plant to cover his head. Uh, God appoints a plant to cover his head. Think about this. Come on, read. All right. Um, to save yeah. him. All right. Uh, so to save him from his discomfort. Uh-huh. So Jonah was exceedingly glad. It says that Jonah was exceedingly glad because, because of, of the, the plant, plant mm-hmm. that covered his head. This plant gave him pleasure. Yeah. When he was in an environment that was hot, an environment where he was exposed to the sun. What is happening in verse number seven? Read. But God appointed Verse 7. But when dawn came up. But when dawn came up. The next day. The next day. Come God on. appointed a worm. God appointed then a worm. That attacked the, the plant. enemy of a plant. The, the, the one who would take the life of the plant. I want you to see here what God is doing. He appoints a plant first. Something that has life. But sometimes need the help of something else. And then God appoints an adversary for the plant. And then uh, the, the plant can't do anything to, to keep uh, itself from being harmed. The plant can't swat away the worm. The plant can't say, I don't want you to do something to me. But God appoints something that is the adversary in opposition to the plant. And what does the worm here do? So that it withered. So that it withers. A worm did what it was supposed to do. A worm destroys a plant. I believe that the adversary does this. It implies specifically what his name is. He is adverse to the will of God. He is opposed to God's interest. This worm does harm to the plant, causing a change reaction so that it could not survive. It dries up. It withers. The Bible states that it dies. God appointed the worm 
to show something. He's teaching a lesson. This is an object lesson from God. What does verse 8 say? The Bible says, when the sun rose. When the sun rose. God appointed a scorching God east wind. God appointed a scorching what kind of wind? East wind. Type that in. What type of wind? East wind. An east wind. This is something that is not good. God appoints. God God appoints an east wind to come in what happens and when the sun beat down on the head of john not only is it the east wind but it's also the sun beating down it says in the hebrew that it strikes the head of jonah so that he was what he was faint he was speaking before that he felt like he needed to die but now god has put him in a situation to where he's going to feel like man it would really be better for me to be dead come on and he asked that he might die. He asked that he might die. And said, uh-huh. it is better for me to die Jonah than to live. Jonah is so, so dramatic in what he's saying. It's better for me to die than to live. As we look at our lives and we have these moments, these moments, listen, these moments that God allows for you to experience some suffering. And we are quick to tell ourselves it is better for me to live or to die than to live. Some people are bold enough to take their own life in these moments. In these moments, temporary, fixed point of times where we experience some type of discomfort. He teaches Jonah a lesson. Verse 9 and 10, go ahead and read that. The Bible says, but uh -huh. God said to Jonah. God says to do Jonah. Do you do well? He says, do you do well? To be angry for the plant. Uh-huh. And he said. Right. Yes. He said, yes, I do. Most definitely, God, you're still not driving in the right direction. God, come on. I do well. I do well. To be angry. Uh-huh. Angry enough to die. And what does God say? God says. Verse number 10. Then the Lord said. And the Lord said. You pity the plant. He says, you pity the plant. For which you did not labor. Let, think about this for a moment. He says, J Jonah, you have pity. You have compassion. You feel for the need of this plant that you did not even plant. You didn't labor over this plant. You didn't prepare the soil. You didn't go in and get miracle growth so that this soil could, so that this plant could grow as quickly as it did. Keep reading. Nor did you make it grow. You didn't make it grow. You didn't come and start watering it. You didn't come and start pruning the leaves on the plant to make sure that it was healthy and large and that it would grow into perfection. Keep reading. Which came into being in a night. It said it came into being. What? In a night. In a night. And perished. And perished. In a night. In a night. I love how the, the Hebrew, uh, it, it, it says that it, it's a son of the night. It came in just a night. Jonah you didn't cause it to be. And it only had a day to live and grow. Jonah, you, you did nothing with this plant. And here you have pity and compassion on this plant. God is teaching a lesson here. You did nothing. The thing in which brought you exceeding, exceeding gladness, joy, pleasure, you did nothing to get it. And God concludes this chapter this book by stating in verse number 11 and should on, I not pity Nineveh and he says should I not pity Nineveh that great city that great city in which there are more than in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand people think about this for a moment God says you didn't work for the plant that brought you joy but I created all mankind I created all people 
I created everything from the sky to the grass to every living creature on this planet. I created it all. Should I not pity Nineveh? Keep reading. 120 people, come on. Who do not know their right hand. They don't know their right hand from their left left hand. That right there simply means that they don't know right from wrong. They might be evil in their actions. They might be wicked in their ways, but I want you to understand that they don't know me like you know me. They don't have a standard by which to live by. And, I, and that's the way that we have to look at the world. The, and when I say the world, I mean people who do not have a relationship with God. That's the way that we have to look at the world. When we see things happening and we ask God why, they don't know their right from their left. They don't have an actual moral, sta- moral standard that they live by. God says, should I not have pity? Should I not have compassion for them? And then he also says, if not for the people, what? And also much cattle. If you're not going to have compassion for the people, at least, have, at least have compassion for the cattle. You care about this plant? If you're not going to care about the people, have compassion for the cattle. These cattle, this plant, are insignificant when it comes to the creation of the human being. The human being is the only creation where the Bible says God took time to form. Everything else he spoke into being, but the human being, he took time to form. Both man and woman took time to form them, breathed life into them, gave them the commandment to have dominion over the creation. And they chose to let creation have dominion over them. Jonah, we don't know if he saw clearly. We don't know if, we, if he saw clearly, but I think the point of this book is not to get us to focus on the word of Jonah, but to get us to look at ourselves in Jonah, to see ourselves in Jonah. How often are we God-fearing people who do no wrong, who shy away from our calling, who don't use the things that God has given us for the progression of the kingdom, who get upset when God blesses those who aren't as faithful and righteous as we are. I think that God wants us to see ourselves. Can you see clearly now? Can you see clearly now? There's nothing else said in the book of Jonah Nothing else said. He saw people who were unlike himself. He saw them as being unworthy of God. The fire starters, right, that we are. The fire starters that we are. Because we showed enough start some fires. We are being called to fear God and keep his commandments. I pray that through the reading and the study of this book, that we can see ourselves clearly and be what God has called us to be and go and cry out in the world using what God has given us, whether it be the gift of song, whether it be the gift of teaching, whether it be the gift of witnessing, administration, whatever it is, use your gift for the progression of the kingdom. That's the sermon that I have for you today. Uh, 
again, I, I thank you all for uh, joining us. If, you, if you're not a Christian, I want you to understand. If you are not a Christian, I want you to understand that God loves you very dearly. He loves you very dearly. I know that there are Christians who may look down on you. I know that there are Christians who may have spoken ill of you. But I want you to understand that God loves you and that there are Christians who are being what they profess to be. Do not give up on God because a person has done you wrong. Do not give up on God because a church has done you wrong. There are people who are faithful to God, and they love you just like God loves you. But God, he loves you even more, so much so that he sent his son down here to deal with the problem of sin. You, you, you live your life in sin, and you recognize right at this moment, you recognize that there's something about your life that you don't like. There's something that you do, you know that it's wrong, and you don't want to do it. I want you to know that you can't fix that problem by yourself. You have to come to God. And the only way to access God is through Jesus. God sent Jesus down here in the form of a man to die on a cross for our sins, not for his own, but for our sins. You have to ask yourself the question, do you believe that message? Do you believe that he is the son of God? Are you ready and willing to repent of your sins, to change your mind? Right? Those things that you do that you don't want to do, change your mind about them. Change your mind about doing those things. That's the next step. Confession is the next one. You must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This confession is you pledging your allegiance to Christ. And then you must be baptized for the remission of your sins. Baptism is a washing away of sin. It is for the remission of your sins. Everything that you've done wrong in your past, once you're baptized, God no longer holds you accountable for those things. You're not guilty for those things anymore. Once you're baptized, you become a new creature in Christ. All old, old things passed away, and you are new in Christ, ready to begin your path towards eternity. If you're a Christian this morning, if you're a Christian this morning, and you see yourself in Jonah, and Jonah in you, I want you to know that you don't have to stay that way. Repent of your sins today, wipe your slate clean, and let's go on walking and running in this race without starting fires. Let us sing the song limitation. Show me the 